0: Welcome to Important, Not Important. My name is Quinn Emmett.
1: And my name is Brian Colbert-Kennedy. What was that look? No, you just introed it very interesting.
0: I just, sometimes I change it up. Yep. Okay, this is episode 44 and our topic today, Brian. Hey, food waste is definitely, especially even more so after this interview, conversation, whatever they are, uh-huh. uh, the stupidest fucking thing we do. Very dumb. As a, as a people. How do we cut it in half? Alternate title. Alternate title. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Avocado toast is about to go off, son. And it's already it's been off. It's been off. Yeah. And then people were like, I'm tired of it. Right. It's enough. It's very simple. I can make it at home. And yet, let me tell you, Brian, you have no idea. No idea. No idea. You had no idea. <laughs> I'm pretty excited.
1: This was a really good, really good conversation. One of
0: our most uh, mind-blowing episodes, I uh, guess, yet, and I'm pretty pumped for everybody to hear
1: it. Yeah, I hope that most people are like me and don't have never heard of this so that when they listen to this, they're just like, what the fuck?
0: That's the goal. That was today's goal. Uh,
1: our guest is Dr. James Rogers.
0: He's a founder and CEO of Appeal Sciences. Uh, he's worked on solar paint <laughs> uh, and metals and at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. And uh, I just thought this is a hell of a lesson in putting down your goddamn phone. And letting crazy ideas marinate in your brain, yep. unobstructed. Um, he was the, a metallurgist. Yep, sure. That's a Why pretty not? cool word. Yeah, let's just pivot to this thing that instead. exists. And what is that thing? What is appeal sciences? Yeah, you're gonna have to listen to find out because <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna spoil it for you.
1: Boom. Did you see I what I did? I see what you did, uh-huh, and uh-huh. soon they will see what you did.
0: Yep, it's because it's science.
1: Yeah, that was really good.
0: Um, rock and roll. Let's go uh, talk to to James. That's it. Gosh, okay. Our guest today is James Rogers, and together we're going to discuss uh, food waste is the stupidest thing we do. Uh, <laughs> how do we cut it in half at least? Uh, James, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, we're pumped to have you, brother. Um, so uh, let's start by just um, just tell us uh, who you are and what you do.
2: Quick version. Yeah. All right. Short version. Yeah. James Rogers. I'm the CEO of Appeal Sciences, uh, Santa Barbara, California company that develops plant-based technologies that extend the shelf life of fresh produce
0: fascinating nice uh, I think that's, that's a,
1: the short
2: version
0: yeah no i I Perfect. really like the short version don't worry we're gonna get into the longer one for sure extend I think that's, the
1: shelf life of fresh produce okay yeah
0: what's fun is we changed our format a little while ago to the point where I don't give Brian any of the outlines ahead yeah. a time so he gets to ask <laughs> he gets to pretend he's the audience who's like you know, texting and driving or sitting on the subway, sitting there going like, what the hell did they just say? Extend <laughs> right. the life of what? Yeah. Uh, so that's Brian's role. It's super fun for me, at least. Perfect.
1: Perfect. <laughs> this is very interesting for me. I buy fresh produce. I don't know when the fuck I have to throw it out or how long it lasts. <laughs> and also I pay way too much attention. I'm sure to what the little stamp on all the other food I buy says about when I can eat this and when I can't. It this just is seems perfect. Wrong.
0: <laughs> <All> right, <Brian.
1: laughs> so I'm pumped. Um, Awesome. So, uh, James, uh, Like we sort of said before we started recording, uh, we're just going to go over, um, you know, a little context uh, uh, with you, uh, let the audience know um, a little bit of what's going on. And then uh, we're going to ask some questions because we uh, we want our listeners to come away with this, knowing that they can do something to help um, uh, because it's it's not enough to just listen to something and then uh, forget Fucking about it. Read about it. <laughs> and, and,
2: um, and, and indeed they can. So good, I'm excited good. to get there. Yes. Yeah. Fuck
0: yeah. Awesome. Uh, so uh, James, we do start with one important question to sort of set the tone of things instead of saying, tell us your whole life story as interesting <laughs> as I'm sure that is. <laughs> uh, we like to ask, uh, Hey James, why are you, why are you vital to the survival of the species? <laughs>
2: Oh man! I wish we had a couple of beers before answering that question. <laughs> I know, right?
0: I, we we do need to start doing that. I also need to cut just like a compilation track of people laughing at me. But we yeah. actually get some great <laughs> answers, so I encourage you to be bold and honest. You're 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 here for a reason.
2: Oh man! Uh-huh. Uh, well, I'd say if I put on my my narcissist hat, I would say that uh, I'm probably here to deliver more food to more people uh, at lower costs. So. Uh, the big, bold statement would be uh, here to uh, help solve world hunger. Sounds kind of crazy to say out loud.
0: Yeah, that's that's not a bad goal. Brian, what's your, <laughs> hey, Brian, you dream what's big, your right? goal today?
2: Dream big, right? What's my goal today? Yeah, what's your
1: goal today? I want to learn from this conversation how long... Like, I want to know the, pro- the perfect time to have an avocado. I'm having a lot of <laughs> avocado issues. I don't know when it's too early, <laughs> and when it's too late. And a lot of times I fuck <laughs> it up. And I throw yeah. it in the trash and it sucks. I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah. This is, this is good
1: for you then. Yeah. I'm very excited.
0: Um, all right. So yeah, we're going to set up a little context. Uh, James, just correct us. Tell me where we're wrong or, you know, hang up and run away, whatever works (laughs) better (laughs) for you. Again, there's some stats here. Uh, I think they're pretty accurate. Let's see what's going on. Uh, food waste, uh, Americans to no one's surprise are the, are the worst, uh, or the best, (laughs) I guess, depending on how you're looking at, uh, uh we waste about 165 billion dollars of food a year. Uh number 1 in the world. Uh almost 40% of the food produced in the US is never eaten. So I cannot
1: believe it. That if you a make a plate
0: number. of dinner and you move half of it to one side and then you move a tiny bit back and then you just throw out the smaller side. Yep. If you do that for every <laughs> meal, uh then that's basically what we're what we're doing, then, then which you, apparently you're is the overdue. average
2: person. Yes. Right. You're the average,
0: you're the average human. Of course, some it's of a, us,
2: a, it's a little unfair to people because uh, some of those losses do, are happening in the supply chain on the way, getting right. to you. So right. it's more on the, on the, you know, people at home side, it's more like a quarter of their plate probably. Got it. And oh, the rest okay. of it's going to happen at the grocery store and, um, you know, yeah. in the trucks on the, on the way to those stores, but still, you know, a quarter, quarter of that plate. Um, it's not great. In the trash is, uh, it's kind of a tragedy, tragedy yeah (laughs) it is both a tragedy and a travesty james yeah we'll take all of them
0: and you're right some of the waste. uh i mean some of it starts on on farms and brian you might ask why
1: i am curious as to how that (laughs) how that's happening
0: sure uh overproduction why do we have overproduction uh to hedge against uh pests or bad weather a uh, quick note: Weather's changing a lot. That's fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah. because the crop doesn't meet uh, store and uh, consumer cons- cosmetic standards, which I, I James was just uh, alluding to a little bit. Yeah, um, it's yeah. not pretty enough, which is a problem that I know we have all the time. Um, yeah, and because- yeah no,
2: it, it def- definitely that that's definitely happening. Um, you know, you walk into a grocery store and you are looking for that perfectly shaped perfectly colored, uh, you know, that right size piece of fruit. And right. if it's not meeting those specifications, um, then it's getting normally culled out in the manufacturing process. And it's not necessarily that that food is going completely to waste. It's just normally going towards a much lower value um, you know, products. So it's going to go to juice. It's going to go to canned. Um, it's going to go mm-hmm. to frozen. So it's not necessarily going to be completely wasted, but it's certainly not capturing the full economic um, potential that it, that it would have had. Had it been, um, you know, beautiful, uh, so to speak.
1: Sure, Hi, sure. James, have you heard of this company, Imperfect Produce?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this is, these these guys are, you know, trying to address that issue right. of, you know, reducing economic, um, you know, capture or you know, reduced economic capture opportunity by basically making a marketplace for produce that doesn't meet classic retail specifications. I think it's an important part of the solution.
1: Yeah, I've just heard of it recently and I, I, uh, I don't know how new it is or, or, or how well it's doing, but it seems like a really good idea. Hopefully hopefully that uh, can can make an impact. You yeah,
2: I, mean? I, I certainly think, of, I mean, the thing is the, the magnitude of the problem here is so big, yeah. uh, anything is gonna make an impact.
1: Sure, awesome. Uh,
0: another reason it was wasted, um, because of our stupid fucking immigration laws, there aren't enough people to actually work the crops, uh, uh, that's sad. which is yeah, great. That, that's really um,
2: sad. That's a really sad one. You know, you, you put all the, 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 you know, time and energy into producing this fruit. And, you know, one of the characteristics of fresh produce is that it's, you know, seasonal and perishable. Right. But what that means is if you're growing fruit in a region and the weather gets warm and all of a sudden it's harvest time. All your neighbors have the same issue. It's harvest time as well. And so you start competing for labor to the point where you actually can't afford to to pick the field because, you know, there's going to be so much fruit on the market at the same time. The price is going to be depressed and it just doesn't make sense to actually go do the harvest when you're going to get low prices. And so it just sits there in the field and, and goes to waste. It's, it's a Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> okay uh, and then of course some of the waste happens at the supermarket level, as you uh, alluded to and we've talked about a little bit here uh, about 43 billion pounds of food wasted again uh, overstock like cosmetic uh, yeah. sh- shitty displays uh, and as Brian mentioned with the stamp go ahead please
2: no I mean the, the I would I would I would say that the reason that the, so so if you look at it and you, you break down where the losses are happening in the supply chain like we've just kind of been talking about yeah you know uh, a significant but relatively marginal contribution to those losses is during transportation. A much during transportation, more, yeah, during transport. So you know, after you're after you've picked it, you've sorted out the you know the ugly fruit, you've packed it, you're shipping it. You know, maybe it's going on an ocean container, maybe it's going in a truck. Um, you know, you're losing maybe three percent, depends on the industry. Um, you know, and that 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 is significant given the you know how much food we're growing, but relatively marginal compared to. What's happening with the losses? You know, when the fruit is on the store shelf, and then very marginal when compared to what's happening into people's homes. Mm. But the reason for that is actually we've you know as a species done quite well at developing technologies which preserve produce from from picking and packing to the arrival mm-hmm. at the store shelf. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is that technology which we've relied on to accomplish that has been refrigeration. And refrigeration works really well when you're able to precisely control the storage environment for the fruit. So when it's in a truck, when it's in a shipping container, great. You know, you're able to slow down the rate the clock is ticking on that fruit by about a factor of four or five. The problem is, is that those optimal storage conditions for the produce are exactly at odds with the optimal merchandising conditions. So you walk right. into a grocery store, you don't put on a parka and a respirator and go into a back <laughs> CA room and pick up, pick out your fruit, right? It's in a big display, it's shiny, it's a comfortable store environment, well-lit ambient conditions that in, are inviting to you to pick up the produce, to see it, touch it, you know, feel it, you know, put it, put it you know, hopefully back into your basket. And so that because those merchandising conditions are exactly the opposite of the optimal storage conditions, that's you, you end up having a tremendous amount of, of retail spoilage, uh, retail shrink, as it's called within mm. the industry, mm-hmm. um, because you're, again, balancing the need to have something people want to buy with the the desire to, you know, reduce the perishability of that uh, that fruit. And that's why you, know, you end up seeing so much waste at the, the retail level.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's. That's crazy. That's very helpful. Thank you. So, and then let's talk about the last two here, which is restaurants. Uh, They say about 10% of their food is wasted before it even reaches the customer, which doesn't even include the hugely oversized portions Americans don't finish. And then at home, as you said, Family 4 throws away about 25% of the food they buy, which is about $2,000 a year. You know, as terrible as it is, though, it's worth remembering Americans, regardless of status, are magnitudes better off than most folks In developing countries yep Uh, so it's really very sad but and of course the the best news of uh, taking a slight pivot is food waste is also a major contributor to to emissions because Mm -hmm. methane uh comes from food waste and methane is about 10 times as uh troublesome potent as 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 carbon it is a nightmare um so and of course the last thing is to to water the the resources we use to grow this food are are really incredible. Uh, the irrigation used to grow food that's thrown away could meet the domestic water needs of nine uh, billion people. Whoa!
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you're, we're using eighty percent of our fresh water, roughly, to irrigate agriculture. Eighty um, percent of our yeah, fresh water. Eighty percent, and you know, there's wars being fought over water. So yeah, and then you, that's know, you think keep about. Happening. Exactly. So you, you think about, you know, we, when we think about the, you know, the, these statistics, you know, 40% of food going to waste. In fact, we're using 80% of our fresh water to irrigate and you're throwing 40% of it away. Well, gosh, the fa- fastest way to more water is to throw away less food.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and those water issues are only going to get worse as, we're very yeah. aware of here in Los
2: Angeles. Yeah, well, we're going to add, we're going well, to add a couple billion more people too. So it's not like yeah. this, and not like the conditions are staying the same. Um, you know, the, yeah. the, the tread treadmills moving faster and faster.
0: Right. And, and places like uh, Los Angeles, which already should not exist, uh, or Arizona
2: <laughs> are, uh, are or Las are gonna, Vegas. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't wait to see yeah. Brian
0: fighting in the water wars. Um,
2: <laughs> so yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, let, they're all, they're all, you know, all these are, are just, you know, pieces of the, the challenge, you know, uh, in the you know in the in the you know food service side of things you know food's food's getting thrown away because you know, there are certain um, items that we have trained people to to like and to not like and you know all, although most of the you know most of the you know pieces of the fruit are entirely edible. Uh, We people have just you know they only know about certain uh, you know oh well only the artichoke heart part is the delicious part so we're not going to use the rest sure Um, it's just it's a little bit you know the philosophy of you know the U S you know U S citizens versus the Native Americans right the Native Americans you know use the whole animal and you know we just we just use the the white meat you know so uh, there's some you know some a big cultural um, you know element to that. You know, there's, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of uh, movement in in this area, particularly recently in food service, you know, around, Hey, should we really be building, should we be writing a menu and then sourcing the products to make those menu items? Or should we flip that around and find out what's available and then what can we make from those items? And that's a different type of philosophy. Um, So, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, major chefs, are getting behind this um, yeah it seems and, like Dan and,
0: Barber is one of those guys
2: he is he's leading the charge um, and that if yeah. you've ever been to have an opportunity to dine at his restaurants I mean in New York City that's the entire idea there's there's no menu um, you know that's whatever they've they've uh, harvested from the farm that day they're going to turn into a medley of uh, different items um, and they're focused on uh, turning ingredients into menu items and not, you know, not figuring out menus and then sourcing uh, the ingredients because that's, that's how you get all that waste.
0: Yeah, And I love really how awesome. candid uh, and transparent he has been on that throughout the years. I, I really loved uh, his book, The Third Plate.
2: The Third Plate, yeah. And, and talk about a way just to, uh, you know, cut through a lot of the jargon and just get straight, straight down to it. I, I think that he just did an excellent job in that book, making it an approachable subject um, to pretty much anybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, real so, quick. Yeah, it, please. When you said that you can't wait to see me in the water wars, was that some sort of insinuation that I would be not a good warrior? Have you not?
0: You haven't <laughs> been listening the whole time since then, have okay. you? Okay.
1: All right. No, of course not. I, I, I just had a follow you up. You said you've
0: been working out a lot, and I said, have you done any cardio? And you just had a blank stare, and it feels like you can fight if you're standing still. But after that, okay.
1: question answered. Thank you. Let's move on. Okay.
0: Thank you. All right. Uh, so, look, clearly, it really is for a, a lot of complicated reasons it is the stupidest thing we do. Uh, so, you know, James, let's back up just for a minute. And, and uh, I don't know how well versed you are in this, but uh, probably a lot better than us. Was it always uh, this bad? At least let's just focus on the U S for now. Didn't we ration food like crazy during World War II? You know, was it the growth of these supermarkets in suburbia and the focus on cosmetics that got us here? Or what, you know, what has been yeah. the evolution
2: of it? Oh man, that that's a really a really good question. Um, you know, not, not, I, I can't speak as a fruit historian yet, although this question may prompt me to go learn learn a lot more. <laughs> we um, can pause from, if you
0: want to go read an encyclopedia or something.
2: <laughs> but from from you know what I uh, you know what I am familiar with, you know what what has kind of happened has been we we got really good so so let's like maybe take as an example the difference between a food supply chain in the United States and mm-hmm. a food supply chain in a place like sub-Saharan Africa so if you look mm-hmm. at the spoilage rates in the United States you know estimates are somewhere between a third and a half 40% is probably the most commonly reported number
0: mm-hmm.
2: If you look at those numbers in developing countries, so you know, think uh, Kenya, think Nigeria, um, other places in Sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia, those those losses are upwards of eighty to ninety percent. And Whoa. yeah, yeah, and and the reason for that is, you know, going back to my example earlier, uh, we have developed you know techniques, effectively refrigeration, which has allowed us to reduce the perishability. Of fresh produce by about a factor of four or five. And in so doing, it has allowed us to, to grow more produce and get it to more places. So you, it's allowing us to you know, get a supply chain which is making produce reach more people. But because it's allowing us to reach more people, It's allowed the growers to really focus on just growing their production volume Mm -hmm. and not necessarily worry so much about the efficiency of that supply chain Mm. because they're able to grow their business by growing their distribution because with reduced perishability of the fruit, they can get it to more places. They can export it. They can get it all the way across the country. If you're a small farmer in in sub-Saharan Africa... Know, you, you you might be growing it on your farm but if if because you don't have a refrigerated supply chain it can only get one or two days away mm-hmm. uh, you know you're extremely focused on on efficiency and so sure. I, I might argue that um you know the that all you know as we have developed um we've probably been re- we've reduced losses for sure because we now have re- uh refrigeration but we're at a point where you know okay we've we've figured out how to do you know how to get some of that distribution but now we need to figure out how to do it more efficiently.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. As it becomes easier, we we definitely become a little less uh, we meaning those the people doing that growing become a little less focused on the
2: efficiencies. Yeah, and you just want to grow, you just want to grow your volume. And you know, I, I liken this sometimes to you know look at some of the you know new value creation opportunities in the economy. Like the, think about the sharing economy. What, what does that mean? Well, it basically means. That we were able to, you know, produce so much that now, you know, you got the growth originally from selling a bunch of units, and now there's new growth available by sharing some of those units amongst people. So it's a little opaque, but like you know, think about Airbnb. You've got a bunch of you know underutilized assets, basically people's homes when people aren't in there. And now you see the growth of Airbnb, which is a way to get you know, to get more people in those beds so you can earn some economic rent from that underutilized asset. Right. The same with Uber, right? You had a bunch of cars driving around, a bunch of empty seats. Uber said, well, oh, that's an underutilized asset. There's already a bunch sure. of cars out there. How do we get more economic value from those seats? Food waste is the same thing. You know, We've got a bunch of food out there, but we're throwing away a lot of it. If we can reduce how much of it we're throwing away, there's economic value created in doing that.
1: It makes sense. pretty smart. Um, all right. And then we were also talking about, uh, you know, how uh, uh, the cosmetic issues come into play um, mm-hmm. and, and how that really uh, makes a lot of this um, uh, food go to waste. What are you guys doing at appeal to, to, you know, help that?
0: Yeah. You gave us the short version. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, um, the, 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 the high level is that, you know, solving the aesthetic issue for fresh produce at least with the current food culture, that's that's table stakes. You have to, your, the produce has to maintain good aesthetic quality because at the end of the day, the aesthetic quality of the produce is what drives that purchase decision. Mm-hmm. Now, there's the second moment of truth, which is you know when you get the food home and, and you consume it. But what's originally driving that purchase decision is the aesthetic value of the produce. And then that second moment of truth is really around the eating quality of the fruit. But if you don't have good aesthetics, then you don't even get that second moment of truth um, to happen. And so what we do at Appeal um, is that we develop plant-derived formulations that are a powder. So think of like a brick of flour. We ship it to where we want to use it, which is generally at a packing facility, and we mix it with water. And then we spray that solution onto the surface of fresh produce as Mm -hmm. it's being packed, Mm -hmm. and we let it dry. And when it dries, it leaves behind this imperceptibly thin barrier of plant material on the outside of the surface. You can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't feel it. But by precisely controlling the composition of that barrier, we're able to independently modulate the rate that water and CO2 escape from the produce relative to the rate that oxygen gets in. And so by doing that, as the fruit continues to breathe and respire as it's moving through the supply chain, we build up this optimized little microclimate inside each individual piece of produce. And that little microclimate allows the produce to survive two, three, or four times longer, even without the use of refrigeration. And so this technology... Yeah, yeah, that's great See, response. I
0: love this because I I knew what you guys are doing. This is the whole fun of not sharing these things. Watching his face as you described that, which was generally just like, "What the fuck?" It was fantastic. <laughs> that was great for me. Thank you.
2: Oh, good. What was, the, was fun, fun uh, for me too. Uh,
1: there's got to be some negative
2: effects. It's shocking there are no negative effects from doing this. When so, wow. so think of, think about it this way: plants have been around for billions of years, and. During that period of time, the the oxygen concentration on this planet has fluctuated wildly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been been as high as almost all of it, uh, as low as you know none. And plants have had to survive under all of those conditions, and so they they are happy they, they're happy to live in whatever eon that we're existing on this planet. And actually, the rate of maturation of you know fruit, you know, in, in different time periods was much slower because ambient oxygen concentrations were were lower. We just happen to be alive at a time when oxygen concentrations are about twenty and a half percent, but most fruit uh, will happily develop at you know oxygen concentrations you know below four percent. And wow. when you when you do that, the fruit will live uh, health just as healthy um, just just for much longer. And so what we're doing is by creating this barrier on the outside of the produce, It's almost like we're just telling the produce, "Hey, develop like it was, you know, develop it like it was the Jurassic period, you know," and uh, it it just ends up lasting for much, much longer.
0: Remember when I was like, "Hey, tell us about the history of food waste," and James was like, "I'm not, I'm not really a fruit historian." He's like, "Actually, plants in the Jurassic period."
2: (laughs) Uh, You guys want to? You know, my favorite fruit historian fact is: Do you know what? uh, So all, all basically, you know, the reason that fruit is. Fruit um, is because it is designed to attract animals that eat the fruit and then ultimately spread the seeds. Right. Um, it's like a you know, help helps the plant spread. So every fruit uh, you can track back to like an animal that really helped it kind of get you know disseminated around the world. Do you know the the animal that uh, helped disseminate uh, the the avocado?
0: No, no, I, I can't. I'm so excited.
2: It was the giant sloth. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta Google this thing, but basically, you know, before people killed them all, uh, in the, you know, in the Americas, there were these giant sloths and, you know, think, think like the size of like a mastodon kind of deal giant sloth Mm -hmm. and they would walk around eating avocados and and spreading the seeds. So we can thank our giant sloth friends for the, uh, of the avocado today.
0: Yeah. Way to kill all the giant sloths, everybody. All they did was they
2: they had to have been delicious. I mean, they're feeding off avocados. So I don't, sure. No, they're amazing. (laughs) Um, Sorry. Sorry. Fun fruit fact.
1: Hey, it's Brian. Uh, I have a quick favor while Quinn is writing his new list of reasons why I should get rid of my motorcycle. Every podcast you listen to asks you for a ratings and review on Apple Podcasts, right? Here's why. Uh, Not everybody listens on Apple Podcasts like you might not be doing right now, but 70% of our listeners and most podcast listeners are on Apple Podcasts. And the top charts are a huge source of even more new listeners. So here's the deal. Some weird combination of downloads and ratings and reviews and probably other stuff that I don't understand, drives those charts up. And, and we want to be on those top charts. So um we need your help. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts right this second, it's really easy. It'll take five seconds. Just do it. All right, you're staring at the episode screen. Swipe it, swipe all the way down. Down at the bottom, hit the library button. Tap our show, then scroll down to ratings and reviews and do the star part. There's five stars. Hit as many as you want. Five probably. Do it now. I'll wait. Hey, great. Thanks so much. That was so nice of you. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Is there produce that this doesn't uh, work on or apply to?
2: All produce spoils through the same mechanisms. All produce spoils because water evaporates out of the surface and because oxygen gets in. So by creating a barrier on the outside of the product that slows that process down, you can extend the shelf life of any fruit or vegetable. It's it's frankly uh, remarkable
1: man, that is just insane. That makes it sound pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So let, yeah. let's just back up for uh, a second. Like uh, how did this come to be? You know, wh- where did you, where did you get started? Like how how did you even know to, how did you figure this out basically? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, um, the the short answer to that question is, um, you know, I figured this out with uh, you know, a team of, we're now 120 um, people on our team here. Um, you know, about two thirds of those are scientists and engineers. And so, We've taken people from an incredibly diverse background, um, different fields, chemistry, chemical engineering, material science, biochemistry, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and pulled everyone in and asked them to take all of those skills and focus them um, Specifically on this issue of reducing the perishability of fresh produce, and that's led to uh, what what we we like to think of as you know some clever solutions to the problem. Um, the impetus for the idea, however, was uh, while I was doing my PhD at UC Santa Barbara, which is why we're still located in Santa Barbara. Um, I was studying these flexible plastic solar panels. So the idea was you could mix up a solar paint. Um, you could use it to paint you know the side of a house or rooftop or what what have you and, and then collect solar energy from that paint and I thought, wow, what a you know if we can develop that, that's going to democratize access to solar power, which is going to change the way that you know the the world works So I spent about six and a half years of my life um trying to understand why it was that some paints worked and some paints didn't work. And mm-hmm. to do that, um, I used to make the paints in Santa Barbara and then I'd have to drive them up to Lawrence Berkeley National Lab because I was literally watching paint dry and to make that interesting, <laughs> yeah and it's sad uh, to, to make that interesting you you have to use really fancy equipment because if you look at just the surface, you know nothing's happening but if you use you know fancy microscopes, you can peer inside and see what's happening at the molecular level. <laughs> and so I was spending my time trying to understand why some of these paints worked and why why some of them didn't and uh, one of these drives to go up to the the laboratory, I was listening to a podcast like we're like we're having today, and uh, was reminded <laughs> that one in nine people on the planet were going hungry. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but I was driving through the Salinas Valley, and I'm looking around, and basically, as far as I can see, are these lush green fields. And you know, my naive you know thought, you know, never having grown any food was, How is it possible that one in nine people on this planet are going hungry when we have these magical seeds that we can put into the ground they are going to absorb water, absorb sunlight, produce food, and by the way, they're going to self-propagate? How is it possible that we're screwing this up so badly that people are going hungry? And so I I got curious and I looked into it. And When I looked into it, uh, I quickly uh, found out that people weren't going hungry because uh, we couldn't produce enough food. It was because uh, you know we we couldn't get it to the people who needed it. So I don't know if growing up, and your parents said the same thing. You know, you finish your food. You know, there's people people starving.
0: Oh yeah, I already lecture my children oh, at that p- thing. Right? Right.
2: And it's like and it's like it's like well that is that is true. You should eat your food because people are starving. But it's not because uh, there's it's not they're not starving because uh, you know there's not enough food for them. They're starving because you know, getting it to them is is uh, really challenging because the their produce spoils, and so. The way uh, so, so I was curious in, okay, well well, if, if the reason isn't you know that we're, if the reason people are going hungry isn't because we can't produce enough food, it's because we can't get it to them, why can't we get it to them? And I, I looked into it, and it was all related to produce spoiling. Basically, you picked a piece of produce and it had a finite time time frame over which you could deliver it. And so you know, I got a little more curious and said, "All right, well, why does it spoil? What causes it to spoil? And, and quickly it turned up that the leading causes of produce spoilage are water loss and oxidation, which means Mm -hmm. water evaporating out of the produce and oxygen getting in. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard that, it reminded me of my undergraduate days at Carnegie Mellon where I was a metallurgist and we studied steel. And people don't think about it, but steel is actually highly perishable. It reacts with oxygen in the atmosphere. And when Mm -hmm. it does that, it forms rust or iron oxide. It eats through down into the steel. And that was until metallurgists just figured out this really clever trick that you could incorporate small numbers of sacrificial atoms into that chunk of steel, things like molybdenum, chromium, nickel, etc. Yeah, sure. And when you did that, those elements would react with oxygen in the atmosphere to form this little oxide barrier around the outside of the steel. And that little barrier would physically block more oxygen from reaching that surface. And in so doing, they invented stainless steel, and that opened up all kinds of new applications for steel. And so the thought I had was, well, all right, if people are going hungry because of perishability, and perishability is caused by water evaporating out and oxygen going in, and steel was perishable because of oxygen going in, but we created this little barrier on the outside of it, and that, that prevented perishability. Could we put a little barrier on the outside of fresh produce that would slow down water going out and oxygen going in, hopefully impact the perishability problem and may, maybe make a dent in the, the world hunger issue. So that was kind of the genesis of the whole thing. Um, you know, I I drove back to Santa Barbara pretty excited, told my friends about it. And if anyone's ever been to Santa Barbara, you kind of know it's a, a surf town. Sure. Mm-hmm. Told some friends about it, and they said. Um, yeah, bro, sounds like a good idea, but we don't want to. Eat, we don't want. We don't want to eat any chemicals. And I was like, oh, damn it, you know, like that's sure. that's kind of a it's a it's a great comment, but it's a frustrating thing to hear as a scientist because, of course, water is a chemical, air is a chemical, <laughs> right, right, and it's like, well, wait a minute, food is a chemical. So what if we just relegated ourselves to only using those molecules that were found in high concentrations in the fruits and vegetables that we ate every day to make these barriers? Then we'd be using food to preserve food. And philosophically, that seems like something that would be really hard to argue with. Right. And so that was the genesis of the whole thing. Um, You know, about seven years ago now, I I finished up my PhD and then um, started the company um, really formally about four and a half years ago. And um, and now you can go to Costco and Kroger and Harps and buy a peel avocados that'll last twice as long in your home.
1: Okay, great. That's a perfect segue into what I just wanted to ask next is like, so you're at, so you are clearly in some stores.
2: Yeah, if you, if you go to our webpage, yeah. uh, just appeal.com, at the bottom of the page, you can enter your zip code and a little map will pop up and show you where the oh, closest cool. store okay. is that carries so, and our And things our are, bar.
1: is everything seem like it's on the up and up? Like, here's my thought is, how come every person and company who has a piece of fruit that they're trying to sell doesn't have your shit on their fruit? Like, it sounds wow. like a genius plan that would save everybody money, feed more people,
2: but before before the end of next year, you should be able to walk into any grocery store in the United States and pick up appeal fruits and vegetables. It's wow. uh, it's happening wow. as we speak, so it's fun to fun to catch you guys right now. You know we we over the last you know four and a half years of of funding, um, you know we've spent the last four and a half years and forty million dollars developing this technology, and we just introduced it onto store shelves uh, five months ago. And so the the you know retail programs that we've announced so far. with Harps, which is a grocer in the Midwest, um, with with Costco, um, and also now with with Kroger, um, largest national um, retailer. And uh, the programs are just going exceptionally well, um, and and we're adding new folks um, every day. So. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's fun. This, it feels like, um, you know, kind of the, the early part of the wave, um, you know, before, uh, people have an option to go into their stores and get something that's going to be better tasting, longer lasting, more nutritious, and less likely to throw away in their homes. So
0: is it the same process for every piece of fruit? Is it the same application I, I'm curious. Is it just like, hey, yeah. look, now we can do it on every piece of fruit, or how's how yeah, does that no,
2: work? Great, great question. And that is um, that 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 application process is what's gating our introduction of new product categories. Gotcha. So you know, we we have largely solved the puzzle of what formulations are necessary for what fruits and vegetables, and our rate of introduction of those formulations is now gated by do we have an application system capable. Of, of treating those those produce categories. So something like an avocado makes sense for our first product because um, that fruit is going to be picked into a bin in the field. It's going to be brought into a, a packing facility where it's going to get sized, sorted, graded. You know, they're going to pick out all the quote-unquote ugly fruit and then they're going to box it up and, and ship it out. And so we have a piece of application equipment. We slot right into that conveyance system. Um, where We're able to treat the produce and it goes on its merry way. Now, something so you like treat a strawberry, it coming
0: right off the farm.
2: Right off the farm. Yeah, as soon as possible. So the principle of our technology is we don't make the fruit any better than it starts. We just maintain that harvested quality for longer. Got it. And so that way we, you
0: also avoid all the GMO shit.
2: Yeah, we don't have to deal with, any, you know, we don't have to do anything regarding genetic modification of the produce. We're literally taking molecules from inside the produce that you would be eating, and mm-hmm. we're applying them to the surface of the produce to create this invisible barrier made out of food.
0: Uh, That's so fascinating. All right, so now it's you. You have the 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 applications figured out for each food, but but now you're you like you said, the gates are are the actual the the processes. um, Yeah. So so just like
2: just yeah, just to carry this like through to conclusion. So avocados, right? You know, conveyor belt, easy to implement. Sure. Strawberry strawberries, people don't know this, but you know they're picked in the field directly into that clamshell, and then they're never touched again until they get to your Hmm. home. Whoa. and so for us to yeah yeah so for us to apply our product in that process we actually have to add a step and, oh. and that's not not a popular thing to do and so <laughs> right. you've got to work with either you know suppliers who are you know growing strawberries in different ways or are looking at robotic harvesting, et cetera. And so that's why, you know, some of those introductions are going to take longer just because, you know, to apply our product is going to be an additional step uh, in their harvest practices, which is just, um, you know, you, you don't want to add operational complexity that, that sure. adds cost. Um, and so you got to just, you know, pick, pick the right timing and work with the right partners so that you're able to implement into a, um, into a, a supply chain, which, which makes sense.
0: So does at some point, and I'm not sure exactly how how the business works, and feel free to not go into it if you don't want to. Uh, but I'm curious: does does this scale down to small farmers, farmers market type farmers? At some point, how is that available?
2: Yeah, I'm super happy you you asked that. Actually, that's actually how we got into this in the first place. Um, was with a grant from the Bill Mel, and the Gates Foundation, um, and the idea was, you know, going back to the numbers I cited earlier. You know, okay, fine, we're losing between a third and a half here in the United States. It's that's tragic developing countries, you know, losing 80, 90% of what they're growing. And the reason for that being they don't have the sophisticated refrigerated supply chain that we operate here in order to reduce those losses. And so, you know, refrigeration works by basically slowing down, you know, thermodynamically slowing down the rate that the clock is ticking inside the fruit. And what appeal is is an alternative way to do that, which is to slow down the rate that oxygen is getting into the fruit because oxygen is the rate-limiting reagent in the fruit development process. So by physically slowing it down, you're able to make the fruit last longer Mm -hmm. without refrigeration. And and that's great for places in the world that don't have refrigeration installed. And so we actually have developed versions of our formulations that we distribute and things that look like, um, you know, think about like a little sugar pouch. Uh, we di- distribute that powder. A small farmer boils water. They mix the powder in. They let it cool. They then dip their mango into that. Little dry, and now it'll last a week longer. And that, yeah, that is
1: you're a sorcerer. Well, you know, it's,
2: it's, well, it's funny. You know, I, I love the the magic analogy because you know, the magician, all the hard work goes in behind the scenes preparing for the trick. Right, sure. Um, and then what you see on stage looks like magic. And, and I, I really do think that's a lot like appeal because, you know, because you can't see, taste, or feel the, the you know, the plant-based barrier that we're applying to the surface, you'd see, you'd, you know, leave two lemons on your counter and one of them still there 15 weeks later. And the other one's a puddle on the counter. It looks like magic, but all the, all the you know, hard work goes in behind the scenes of isolating those materials and creating the formulations in ways that are going to deliver that benefit that, that you really can't see.
1: That's wild. Does this, you know, other foods besides fruits and vegetables spoil? Is there some version of this that can be applied to everything?
2: Yeah. I mean, when we think about our, our company, um, you know, every surface is an opportunity, yeah. uh, you know, uh, living, living systems are constantly, uh, if you think about it, right, every form of life on this planet has some form of protective barrier, which are whether it's human skin or reptilian scales, right. um, you know, skin on a apple, you know, peel on an orange, um, everything has a protective barrier. And, um, what we're saying is if we're going to put those things, you know, or if those things are having challenges, you know rather than go into a lab and make up new chemistries to solve you know solve old problems mm-hmm. why don't we just look into the natural world to see which molecules nature's already using to solve those problems let 's extract and isolate those materials let 's create formulations that solve those problems because if we use those materials, the materials that nature is is, is used to recycling and reusing and rebuilding into different things, then when we put the materials into the environment, nature's going to use them like it would otherwise, and we 're not going to cause any negative um, externalities in the system. so our you know our, our mission as a company goes beyond just addressing the food loss and food waste issue and um, we're really we really believe that we're at a point in human development where we have the opportunity to look into the natural world to see how nature's solving problems and then just to literally um cut and copy those solutions um to solve problems for for people.
0: What what about <clears throat> humans? Uh, I you know, my three kids are aging me so fast. <laughs> is there and it's my wife doesn't even really pay attention to me anymore, which I don't fault sure. her for. Is there something I could Apply or drink. Could you figure yeah, that out? Yeah,
2: we we've we've already we've already got a name for it. We're calling it sex appeal. That's great. Sex appeal. <laughs> R- yeah. No, our, I haven't our, heard our, that our word mark, in my house our, in a long our, time. Our, mark, <laughs> ah, our marketing team's gonna kill me because they, they hate that one, but that's what I wanna call it. Uh, it really I mean it seems right, funny, but yeah it's it's funny, but you you know you are, your your skin does dry out um you know th- that's what's what a big fraction of aging is you know your fruit you know, your skin your your skin drying out and reacting with oxygen so uh, a little barrier made out of plants that you could apply uh, to your body to improve your skin quality is, is not far off I'll take it.
0: Oxygen ruins everything. I like, I like, yeah, That's exactly what you should take away from this. Branch, right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> so what else is, is holding you guys back? You have to be running into some sort of pushback somewhere, whether logistically, politically, commercially. I'm, I'm curious.
2: You know, I, I, I'd say that, um, you know, our biggest challenges are really uh, those around scale. You know, if you think about it, you know, this is a really low margin, very high volume business. And so to make the, the business successful, um, you know, you can't just work with one grower. You've got to work with huge production and be working with lots and lots of produce. So that challenges us. Um, and then, of course, you know, this is a new new technology um, and we're introducing it into a market where um, we're not replacing something that's there. We're saying, here's a new tool. Um, and anytime you're introducing a new tool um, where you're allowing people to reconfigure a, a system you, you can't just sell that product to someone and say good luck you got to show them how to do that and so right. you know kind of underst- we, we, you know we've had to become not only experts in the technology but also in the supply chains themselves so that we can help our partners understand how this technology can be used to to you know kind of level up in the sense of you know doing things that you you couldn't do before and then there's the the you know the the real you know, classic innovators dilemma and that the folks that are the market leaders, um, the reason that they are the market leaders on the supply side is because they have developed or they have invested heavily into building the world's best uh, cold supply chains, the world's best refrigerated supply chains. And that's got them to their market leader position. And what we're coming in and saying is, hey, now there's a second knob you can turn. And by turning that knob, You don't need to invest as heavily into those uh, the the development of those cold supply chains, and that's giving you know player number three, four, five in the industry the opportunity to compete with number one. And so those number ones don't necessarily love us right now.
0: Interesting, interesting. Well, we'll send Brian after him Um, (laughs) again. You can't chase them for very long because again the cardio is lacking. Yeah, once I
1: get a hold of them. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Hey, so, all right, let's get into some, uh, some action steps here. What are actions that, um, that folks can take uh, that don't, you know, involve personally come, um, coming up with a way to, to double the lifespan of, of fruits and vegetables um, yeah. specifically, you know, using, using their voice, using their, their vote, using their dollar? How can, yeah. we, how can we help?
2: well the i mean the the answer or the thing that I'd love to say first is that you know if, if you if you go into a grocery store and you select appeal fruits and vegetables right. you're helping right there because are they, they marked they are yeah actually you'll yeah, go to the store to it'll say that. it'll say fresh for days um you know appeal avocados you'll actually see it in the store you'll see banners up actually talking about the benefits so um it'll be right out there in front of you and and, and you know going back to our philosophy as a company. We don't expect people just to do the right thing. We want to make the the right thing to do, the easy and the cheap right. thing to do. And so our whole idea of how to solve this problem is, well, let's just make it a no-brainer. Let's make it a lower let's make the item, let, let's make the, the fruit lower cost, longer lasting, better quality. And then you're just doing what's best for you and it ends up being what's best for the planet. So um that's really, you know, the the short answer of what I'd tell people to do, you know, selfishly is to go into your know, stores and to look for appeal fruits and vegetables because they're that that alone is is going to be helping so it's kind of the first thing i would say other things that that people can do you know they, they're they're so they're like they're almost like they're they're kind of like stupid to say out loud because they're, they're no please obvious. we say stupid like, shit out loud all day you know, yeah, it's just that like I'm you saying. know you you, 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 <laughs> you just, <laughs> it, it's it you know it, it comes down to you know trying to plan um inappropriately um you know going back to kind of dan barber's philosophy you know, you know, make, you know, figuring out how to make uh, make things out of the stuff you have, not necessarily building. You know, saying I want to make this and then going to get that stuff because when you flip that equation around, um, you you end up wasting less um, less of the stuff. And then there's all you know, just like I mean, as like you said like this is the stupidest thing Americans do. Like, just stop throwing away food. You yeah. know, buy the stuff <laughs> you need and right. and use this use the stuff that you need. But it's it that it's really it's it's kind of that simple.
1: Sure. I just want to clarify. So you, you, if I go to a store that has your, your fruits and vegetables, your, your avocado is going to be cheaper than the other avocados.
2: It depends on the retailer, but they're, they're, so they're not raising the price because okay. so th- think about, think about it this way before a grocery store was buying a hundred percent of their fruit and they were only selling 90% of it. They weren't saying, oh, well, you know, it's our fault for not selling the other 10%. So we're not going to charge you for that 10% we threw away. Right? They're charging you for the 100% of fruit that they bought. And, you know, they're only selling 90%. And so now if they start throwing away, you know, only 2% instead of 10%, they can actually charge you less for that same fruit and still earn their same margin. And so some of the, the major retailers we're working with are actually using this to bring down the price of the fruit in their stores, which is really exciting for us.
1: That's so awesome. And I just went to the website and uh, and looked at the map. So you guys, it uh, uh, looks like so far, like it's just like pretty- Highly
2: concentrated in the Midwest. Midwest because yeah, yeah. this is where the problem is most acute. Got it. And okay, then growing, okay. out, growing out the supply chain from awesome. there awesome i'm very excited and
0: and, yeah and and obviously if you see appeal stuff uh buy it promote it tell people about but also like you said just stop wasting food just because it looks ugly uh please eat
1: it yeah i wonder uh, is there like a is there like can we like take a step back and uh like educate the masses uh, you know in regards to like the fact that you can go to the store and you can grab a piece of fruit that doesn't look perfect and you'll be fine
2: Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. That's kind of the other thing that's come to mind here is I don't know when it was, but I certainly was under the wrong impression as well. You know, people think if uh, something's like a little brown or it you know was out of the refrigerator for two hours, it's bad. It's just it's just not not the case. You know, uh, those those uh, that browning that happens it's just a natural reaction with oxygen. That you know when something goes from you know colored to brown, it means it's it's had some oxygen. Um, reaction, you cer- certainly shouldn't you know just leave things out of the refrigerator for weeks at a time and then right. eat them. But the, you know f- you know fruit fruit you know a little brown isn't going to make you sick. What ha- the, what what makes you sick is when you know the natural bacteria that just kind of exist in the world have had a long enough time to grow on something that right. they you know they form enough population that when you eat them then they get inside your body and you get you get food poisoning from that. But you know it, it it's not. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, the fruit turns into poison if it gets old or something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you can, you can, you know, you can scoop out the brown, you know, portions of your avocado and it's still completely safe and, and edible.
1: Right. Uh, awesome. This is very, very awesome. All right. Uh, well, we've had you for a while here, uh, and and thank you so much. This is seriously one of the favorite conversations that I've had so yeah,
0: far. Yeah, you look uh, just adorable. <laughs> thank so you. Excited. That's so nice.
2: <laughs> um, so, well, I'll uh... <laughs> talk to your. Talk, I like. I like. I really enjoy talking about this stuff. You know, I'll talk your ear off about it if I get the chance. So I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit more about what we're doing today and just talk about this issue in in uh, uh, in, in more depth because um, it is it is you know what I believe to be one of the you know, fastest ways we're going to be able to move the needle on. Climate impacts is just to waste less um, of what we're growing. Yeah, yeah, this seems like a really cool one to follow up
1: on in a year and just like see how it's going because it seems like it would only be getting better and better. All right, so uh real quick before we let you go, just a, a couple things. uh a- Anybody else that we should talk to? um You know, not just in food, but but game changers like you, whether it be in climate or uh, clean energy or cancer or medicine or space or anything.
0: Yeah, it's just we always like to you know. Game changers seem to know or be more aware of those folks, people working on the issues and questions, good and bad, that are affecting everybody now or in the next 10 years, big names, small
2: names. Yeah, you know, one that. uh, so if you were to ask me, you know, what would I be working on if I wasn't uh, working at Appeal? um, One of the things I think is really interesting is to look at folks who are looking at the microbiome as it pertains to agriculture. Okay. So, you know, it's been in vogue recently, you know, the human microbiome, oh, yeah. um, you know, and the impacts that that. that. Is so that's a, that alone is an interesting topic. Um, you want to speak to some folks about that, but also the ag biome because plants have their own microbiome and that controls everything from how efficiently they're able to you know produce food and and how effectively they resist pests to how well they're able to uptake nitrogen you know in the environment. So I think that that is a really really interesting um, area of of research and development, and you know they've they've had some really important insights coming out of that. So that's That's one i would I would definitely highlight for sure, and then the other broad space that I would mention you should take a look at are folks who are leveraging uh, the human immune system to fight things like cancer. So instead yeah. of making um, you know you know uh, chemotherapy drugs that kind of poison the body and ideally kill off the weak cells folks who are actually um, developing ways to charge up your immune system to kill off cancer um, in in a more natural way, Meaning, you know, using your own body's defense system against um those cancerous right. cells. I think those two areas um are are really um, gonna see a lot of growth uh here in the next you know five five or ten years.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, to, to clarify Im- immunology is the natural way, not like uh going yep. on a fucking juice cleanse. It's not right. Yeah. <laughs> once yeah. again, not gonna solve your cancer folks. Um yeah, that's yeah. awesome, <laughs> man. I, I I love those. And if you have any specific names you wanna shoot us on an email or something, we'll uh Yeah.
2: Yeah, Ginkgo Bioworks on the um, ag biome side, I think, is a really good one um, okay. to check out, and then uh, it's it's mostly some researchers on the immune system stuff. But I'm happy to cool. happy to send that stuff over.
1: Awesome, awesome. Thank you, brother. All right, uh, last up, we just have a quick uh, lightning round uh, of questions. Um, if right. that sounds good, and then uh, good. also, yeah. it's just a, it's very misleading because they're not all lightning round. questions.
0: You know what? I'm getting tired of it, Brian. Well,
1: then do something about it.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, hey, James. When was the first time in your life where you realized you had the power of change or the power to do something meaningful?
2: Oh man. Um, Deep. Deep, really. God. Uh, I think it was uh, probably when I walked into our, one of our time-lapse facilities on a Sunday morning about three years ago and saw the treated produce versus the untreated produce and went, holy shit. uh, I think we got something here. I don't think it was until then that I, Felt like that there was an actual way to to fix some of these problems.
0: That's pretty rad. That must have been a that's like a real Jurassic Park. Like, hey, look, the yeah. fucking uh yeah, coming holy out of the gro-
2: Velociraptor came out of the egg. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: to be clear, hopefully, it works out better than that. Yeah,
1: Jurassic
2: Park didn't <laughs> end well. Um, as
0: much oh as I did love it and appreciate the risks that they took, uh-huh. um, yeah. you know, again, just because you should or just because you can <laughs> because doesn't you can. mean you should. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. Life apparently
2: does find a way.
0: Hey, who is someone in your life that's positively impacted your work in the past six months?
2: I would say Walter Robb. Uh, He just joined our board of directors. Uh, He's former co-CEO of Whole Foods. Um, And when we raised our series C round of financing, Walter joined our board. And uh, just his uh, wisdom and insight into, you know, how we can work with nature to solve problems and connect that back to, you know, people in their everyday lives. Um, that's really uh, kind of influenced some of the direction that, that we're taking as a company. So I really appreciated his contributions
1: for sure. Awesome. James, what do you do when you feel overwhelmed by everything? <laughs> and, uh, specifically
0: just acknowledging that it's, it can be a little difficult out there. These yeah. Days.
2: I, I do a lot of yoga. Um, I do yoga like three or four days a week. Uh, that's the staple for me. Yeah. Um, also, just like getting outside and going for a walk, that, that that normally does it for me. My guilty pleasure are music festivals when I can get truly unplugged. Nice. nice. Awesome. Oh, yeah,
1: you're in a good part of uh,
2: the country yeah, for those too. Right. they They're yeah, everywhere. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, how do you consume the news? Uh, I am basically Twitter dependent uh, for yep. my news. Uh, that's, that's where I'd say I get most of my new stuff. Uh, although now that people I've been able you know, enough people know kind of where my interests are. I get a lot of stuff fed from outside. Hey, did you see this? Sure. Um, so I love casting that wider net.
1: Nice. Awesome. Um, all right, James, if you could Amazon prime
2: one book to Donald Trump, what would it be? Uh, it'd be an appeal avocado. The appeal avocado. It'd be an appeal avocado, man. Oh, all right. (laughs) awesome.
0: (laughs) I love it, man. Well, let's bring this thing home, dude. Uh, where can our listeners follow you online and, and follow what Appeal's up to? Uh,
2: we, are, uh, we do a lot of Twitter, Appeal Sciences. So I think it's at Appeal Sciences. Um, Instagram, same thing. And then, um, I, yeah, I'm on Twitter as well. It's uh, just James T. Rogers.
0: Awesome, man. Uh well this has been uh tremendous. We really appreciate uh your time today and clearly everything you're you're doing. It's a really good lesson to kids that just because you're watching fucking paint dry doesn't mean you can't have an idea from go. I like that. It's world. A str-
2: strong moral de- strong moral de- you know, on put put, yep.
0: put down your fucking device, watch paint dry and uh let your subconscious do the yeah. work. You never Yeah, know.
2: I would I just I'd layer on top of that um you know when I was thinking about starting the company, I was nervous that I'd be closing other doors if something didn't work out for some reason. Uh, but about one year into it, uh, I was like, you know, even if this didn't work out, it would have been the best experience of my life. So I just tell people to to go for it and you're going to learn a ton.
0: Awesome. I love That's it, right. man. Uh, Well, James, thank you so much, man. We will definitely check in uh, and see yeah, how everything's going. Brian's going to go uh, make uh, just an abhorrent amount of avocado toast now.
2: I just love avocados. Man. And again, uh, hey, I, have, hey, I have such a problem too. with them, so... Us, yep. us too. We're going to help solve that, guys. We'll appreciate the time today and uh, looking forward to our follow-up conversation as well.
0: Awesome. All right, Hi, man. Be thank good, you. James. All right.
2: all right, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks, really. Yeah.
0: Thanks to our incredible guest today and thanks to all of you for tuning in.